Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles. My name is Adam Beck, your host, uh, and today we continue our um, series of conversations with industry and government leaders around these uh, core enabling topics for smart cities being uh, collaboration strategy and standardisation. And today we're going to uh, have the first episode and conversation around standardisation and Joining me for this conversation is uh, Gavin Cotterell from PCSG, one of our partner companies companies at Smart Cities Council, uh, and really looking forward to this one as uh, I will declare quite early that I'm a bit of a, um, a standards advocate and standards geek, so I'm looking forward to having a, a chat with Gavin. And Gavin, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Adam, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to, to speak today. Really excited about uh, today's conversation. Uh, absolutely. Um, Gavin, just for our listeners that may not uh, have met you or know who PCSG, can you give us a bit of a bio on yourself and uh, what your day job is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, PCSG are a, a digital consultancy for the, for the built environment. We typically help public and private clients become more productive and reduce waste across their portfolio and services by developing and designing uh, digital strategies to help uh, plan, deliver, and operate uh, their, their assets. We we typically help um, governments with their strategies, and we also help out with uh, with, with, uh, with private companies around their digital strategies uh, as, as well. Um, and so, in that line of work, Gavin, no shortage of uh, interest or value coming from um, embracing standards, which will be our topic today. Um, I. Uh, I've been involved in standards, as I mentioned in the introduction, for quite some time. It's quite interesting when we look at, I suppose, the more recent sort of, you know, time frame around smart cities. I, I often say to people that in Australia, whilst there's been some great sort of work uh, being done, you know, over many years, digital transformation and uh, whether it be the built environment or social services or digital transformation of government, the sort of smart cities idea and approach and agenda, um, I think really uh, there, was a, there was sort of a, a flag in the ground um, a couple of years back when the Prime Minister released the smart cities plan uh, for Australia. So I sort, of, I sort of put it at, you know, more recently a, a sort of a two to two and a half year agenda. Um, but what's, what's fascinating is that there's been smart cities standards uh, around the world uh, for, for, for quite some time. So um, my first question to you is around um, is around sort of just the, the emergence and existence of standards. Um, share with our, our listeners um, sort of where some of those early standards came from. And I, I, think, I think the UK is probably a, a global leader there. Um, and really, really highlight the fact that um, we don't need to sort of fly blind on the smart cities agenda that that standards can play a key role so share with us sort of a bit of an introductory sort of comment there around standards and smart cities and their existence yeah absolutely i think in terms of we should really start with our about what are standards really and and, and why why they're important i think UK government realized in terms of um, setting some standards really is to, to help build capacity and capability within within the marketplace, but also to help set some rules for the supply chain to meet so they can actually readily use and exchange data. So without those rules, it's very difficult 
to, to, to procure data effectively. So really about what are standards and standards really describe good practice, really a consensus of what good looks like and provide the foundation for, for innovation. And those standards can be really sort of like a, a three levels around strategic uh, process and, and, and technical. And you can apply those standards to the different types of services, whether that's planning, design and construction of the built environment and cities, operations and maintenance, service provision and, 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 and cities. But the, the UK government really um, took this on board in terms of providing to build that capability and capacity within the marketplace to really develop new export opportunities uh, to help and deliver efficiencies, whether that's from a, a carbon performance or whether it's in terms of delivering uh, services. And also then in terms of helping to really what needs to be specified in procurement processes to ensure goods and services are fit for purpose. So they're effectively getting good, effective use of taxpayers' money when they're procuring goods or services uh, from, from, from their supply chain. And I think the UK... Um, it's been really sort of like a, a beacon for, for standards, not only from smart cities, but others. And it's a real sort of a transition for go from uh, a British standards in, in, into an ISO standard. And some of the standards that we'll talk about uh, later in this, uh, this conversation is how the British uh, standards have sort of evolved as a basis and the foundation into to, 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 to future ISO standards as well. So um, that, that it's interesting um, you sort of made that comment, you know, standards help us, you know, articulate what, what good looks like. Um, there's, there's this sort of idea that, you know, if we get on the same page, you know, standardisation allowing us to sort of all, you know, interpret things generally within sort of the same ballpark, um, go in the same direction. Um, you can really sort of build momentum, build capability when there's some consistency. Um, the, the benefit and value of standards, um, share some of those core benefits uh, in a little bit of detail with, uh, with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So very difficult to enable scale within the marketplace if you don't have a, a consistent approach. So by having uh, and utilising standards really helps you to enable scale. Interoperability as well as a key, a key one. Uh, security. This is a real focus area moving forward in terms of um, how do we ensure that we are providing a security-minded approach to data for our cities and built environments. How do our systems integrate? How do we have that physical and dig digital integration? How do we have a consistent procurement approach to the supply chain? And I think more really is about having that shared purpose and that, 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 that common understanding. So really there, there's sort of some key pillars there in terms of why, why standards are important. And more importantly, if we don't have standards, how can we answer some of those plain language questions? And, and Gavin, I, um, you know, I hear day in and day out uh, in my role at the Smart Cities Council, um, you know, from, from government and also private sector around how, how broad of a grey area smart cities is. You know, there's no common definition and there's, there's no formula, you know, on how you do it. Um, you know, I, I do see a lot of um, reinventing the wheel. Um, for, those, uh, for those that haven't been exposed to standards, particularly around smart cities, 
I suppose the good news is that, um, you know, the availability of, of what is out there um, is potentially good news for a lot of government organisations that are setting out early on their journey to try and create a strategy and, uh, and, and sort of embrace the idea of smart cities. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of barrier to entry, so the, the UK government have created their suite of uh, standards uh, freely available. So there is no barrier to entry um, in terms of actually utilising uh, the, these standards. So these standards are available uh, currently at the moment um, and being uh, publicly available. Specification 181 is the foundation for the new ISO 37106. Um, which is around having a common strategy in terms of de delivering smart cities, uh, which I think is going to be really important moving forward for 2019 and, and, and ahead. And, and, that, uh, and that document you referred to for our listeners, um, and I mentioned this back in our uh, second podcast episode, I mentioned uh, a document called PAS 181. I mean, Gavin, this document's been around since 2014. So this is not new, the availability uh, of, of good, solid guidance to, uh, to government in the marketplace, is it? No, absolutely. So this is the, the, these, these documents now 2014, so we're now five years on from that. So these standards have been freely available for, for a long period of time. So, yeah, it's interesting in terms of how the market's been been quite slow to to look at um, how standards can help in, in in delivering against some of the challenges that they face um, in, in terms of delivering and managing cities. Yeah, but um, for those uh, for those sort of listening into this this conversation, um, you know, rightly so, potentially, you know, there's some um, you know, some concern or, or lack of potential buy into standards. You know, not everyone is a, is a standards advocate. You know, a lot of people, you know, believe that standards, you know, are too prescriptive and they, they don't allow you to sort of be flexible. So there is an interesting mindset around standards and, and sort of how you apply them, where you, whether you prescribe them or you use them as guidance documents sort of talk us through the different sort of uses uh, of those those uh, of those documents. Yes, yeah, so I think it's really important to, to talk about standards about, and this is what we hear quite a bit about standards about being overly prescriptive and actually uh, stifles innovation. Now, I think that's really important that if you're a government procurer of goods and, and, and standards and you're looking to use these uh, the, the, the standards, We've got to be really careful in terms of how, how we how we do that. We, so these standards will describe about why, why why do we need to use these standards, and in terms of how and what. Now, what is the role of a supplier in terms of adhering to that? So these standards should not stifle innovation. I think that we need to make that really clear. So in terms of you need to describe in your standard what you want but not how you go about that that's where the the supply chain will need to adhere to and uh, the, the the standard i think that's really important to, to, to reinforce that adam okay now that's good um so let's dive in a little bit gavin to probably one of the key standards 
with respect to smart city strategy and you know that early those early first few steps and um, creating a bit of a framework. So PAS one eight one, which is the the sort of document released by the British Standards Institution in 2014. So um, the title of that document is Smart City Framework. It's a guide to establishing strategies for smart cities and communities. Um, a relatively short document, you know, a pretty, uh, a pretty easy read in, in, in my view when I go through it. Um, it is a good solid guidance document. It provides a, a, a bit of a framework. Uh, it's been out there for some time. Um, in the engagement that I've done with government and industry across Australia and New Zealand, that document isn't widely uh, used or, or, or people know about that. But last August, August 2018, things really changed somewhat with the release of an international standard that, um, uh, that, was, that was based on that, that UK standard. And, of course, some of the feedback I've had as to why people in Australia haven't really necessarily embraced PAS 181 is because, oh, that's a UK standard. It's not relevant here in Australia. So we're now in the situation where that, um, that UK-based standard has provided the basis for um, the scaling up of this international standard. That international standard, of course, is ISO 37106. Tell us a little bit at a high level about 37106, what it's trying to do and maybe some insights as to how uh, local government uh, and other government organisations or, or indeed other demand side organisations in, in the private sector, um, why they may consider uh, the benefit of using 37106 as they sort of create their strategy and framework uh, for smart cities. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the good starting point on that, Adam, is really about where... Uh, traditional operating model for cities currently are at the moment. So really in terms of we, we think about customer delivery services, data and technology and infrastructure as a sort of as a horizontal, but within that vertical, uh, there's quite siloed around in terms of whether it's uh, safety, whether it's health and safety, well-being, environment, uh, well-being, transportation, water sanitation and other the impact of that is really currently at the moment is around it's unconnected, not necessarily customer focused, the inefficiencies and the productivity issues around that. Uh, some of the systems are closed. Um, lack of an opportunity really to, to drive cross system innovation and really a, a, a hard one is really about ability to drive city scales change at, 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 at speed. So that's the current sort of states where traditional operating models or where cities are really are coming from. But really what we want to be able to do with that is really to be have the ability to have city data unlocked from individual silos. We need to sort of have logical separation of data services and customer delivery um, layers. And then really to start to how we can start to innovate around enabling new marketplaces um, citizens, etc., and have internal uh, innovation uh, as well. And lastly, have that ability to drive citywide uh, change. So the ability is that the uh, PAS 181, which originated from now to 37106, it's really about in terms of integrating that physical and digital planning, 
to identifying, anticipating, uh, to responding to emergency challenges in a systematic and agile way, uh, creating a step-by-step -step capacity for, for joined-up delivery and innovation, and, and making current and future citizen needs a driving force moving forward. And how that, that operates is having a, a framework, uh, which was originally called the Smart City Framework, and there's sort of five or four key areas around that. It's around the sort of guiding principles of a framework, whether it's around digital, citizen-centric, visionary, open and collaborative, which are pretty open and standard, um, and then tying into sort of cross-city governance and delivery processes, so tying into the business management of city vision, transforming the city's operating model, leadership governance, stakeholder collaboration, et cetera, and then tying into what that citizen-centric service management is, um, <clears throat> and there's different components of that, which is underpinned, obviously, by the, the technology and digital uh, asset management. You can also focus on in terms of what critical success factors you have uh, within that, that city, that, that framework, or that skills, user focus, leadership, future-proofing. And then lastly, which is what we see is really critical to a lot of councils, local governments, and governments, cities, is around what that benefit realisation strategy. So what, what value are we going to get by adopting a digital approach to, uh, to, to our operating model? So having a, that, a consistent approach around a, a framework, you can see in terms of you can build capacity and capability within a supply chain if you're starting to have a consistent approach in terms of designing and developing your uh, your smart city strategies. So, Gavin, there's a lot in there um, that you touched on. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that ISO 37106 is certainly a, um, a good starting point, you know, for strategy and framework development uh, in help, you know, helping an organisation develop a, a strategy and framework for smart cities. Um, you know, there's a lot of, it's a, it's a broad church of issues, smart cities. There's a lot of, um, you know, deeper enablers or other topics that are pretty fundamental, you know, security and privacy and, and data. Now, not everything's covered in, in ISO 37106. Um, going back to the PAS sort of suite of documents, you know, we, we've mentioned... 181, which is one of the potent, uh, which is one of the, the BSI um, documents. But you know, there's also sort of PAS 182 and 183 and 184 and 185. Mm -hmm. Can you briefly mention to our our listeners or touch on um, some of those other sort of um, supporting mm -hmm. standardised documents uh, from BSI that help in some of those uh, deeper technical areas like data and security and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, UK sort of suite of, of standards. There's five publicly available specifications in the in the one eight X. So, PAS one eighty is a, a smart cities vocabulary. Um, so, I think this is a really important document so that we have a consistent language what we're we're talking about. There's often a different idea of what different components of smart cities actually means. So having a consistent language is, is, is important. Um, PAS 181, which we've already uh, touched upon. PAS 182 is around a, a guide to establishing a model for the data interoperability for your, for your cities. 
183 is around a guide to establishing a decision framework for sharing data and information services. 184 is a guide to developing project proposals for delivering smart city solutions. And probably the, I would say probably the, the most important uh, of all of those, one is post 185, is having a, a, a security-minded approach um, to, to, to smart cities, and which it really underpins and works as a complementary document to, to, to PASA 181. And I think that's, that's, I think we're going to see an increasing area um, of people concerned over data within their cities and open to, to terrorist uh, activities, etc. And so having good framework approach in terms of having a security minded approach is utilizing resources like PAS 185. I think we'll start to see more, uh, more interest in, 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 in these standards moving forward, Adam. Gavin, just for um, just for our listeners, um, they're probably thinking, you know, why are these two guys, you know, sort of rabbiting on about UK standards and and the British Standards Institution. Now, it, it is fair to say, of course, that there are standards and really good standards around smart cities that have been released from other jurisdictions and countries and 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 standards bodies around the world um but is is it sort of fair to say that um you know bsi has been an early starter and and created a really uh, comprehensive library um however you know we, we do need to note that there's there's other good standards from other parts of the world as well yeah absolutely that there's there's other that are uh, from, from from asia uh, europe um, etc. I think the we've highlighted the fact of the UK ones because there's been a, a, a natural progression, not only within the smart cities movements to, to ISO, but we we see that other standards that were originally British standards have moved into to, 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 to an ISO. So I think we're we're focusing on generally of, of what generally seen as good practice from from the UK. In terms of developing and uh, and, and implementing these the, these the standards, so it's not necessarily just a, a UK flavour for UK flavour's sake. It's that the reality is that, that that UK standards normally act as a foundation that can come moving forward into to, to an ISO. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so let, let's just sort of take stock for a moment. You know, across the suite of the the PAS one eight zero through to PAS one eight five specifications, we've got. Uh, ISO 37106. Um, you know, if you're if you're a local authority, a municipality out there that's that's sort of about to move forward on some sort of a smart cities journey, and one of those first steps is uh, is often creating a bit of a strategy. Um, I think it's fair to say now that there is some uh, some excellent guidance that is available at your fingertips, uh, free to to sort of access and. Um, I suppose put into the, you know, the, the thought process of how you how you go about your strategy. Um, I'd like to I'd like to sort of get your views now, Gavin. On um, we we've spoken about the benefits of standards uh, and the role that they can play. Uh, we think it's a good idea that we we sort of build consistency. And as you say, uh, you use that very important word scale, um, which I think for smart cities is uh, sort of an area where we haven't. Um, been able to sort of realise outcomes at scale yet. Uh, a lot of proof of concepts, a lot of uh, one-offs. 
piloting and, and you know, short-term funding uh, opportunities for deployment, but that real sort of scale and replication is, is still um, uh, is still eluding us. I'll, I'll come back to that. But uh, what I wanted to get your views on, Gavin, was, um, was certification, okay? There's obviously an opportunity that comes with embracing a standard um, and there'll be uh, listeners from government uh, and private sector and uh, and elsewhere on um, on this on this episode listening in who would be very familiar with with sort of uh, certification uh, and in Australia um, you know we we've gone through some very interesting sort of you know phases of certification around some core fundamental issues I remember very early on a uh, long time ago when when I was in pri- private practice in consulting, you know, going through the whole uh, ISO uh, 9001 sort of journey of, of quality assurance, you know, and organisations getting quality assured and we saw the benefits of that. Um, being in the sustainability field, I was there when ISO 14001 around environmental management systems was, was sort of introduced and, and organisations uh, corporately, you know, building their sort of plan, do, check strategy around environmental management um, and then, of course, we've had workplace health and safety. So uh, standardisation is, is, not, uh, uh, is, is not foreign to us. Certification uh, in those key areas was, was very popular as well. Um, talk to us a little bit around certification and smart city standards. Um, you know, what are you seeing? What aren't you seeing? Um, where is the, the level of, of conversation? Is there a demand building there? What, uh, what are you sort of seeing out there in in your work? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, one. And we'll probably go back in terms of being around what certification and what certification actually means. It, so there's one thing about utilising a standard, but you need to be able to demonstrate your capability in adhering to the processes that have been stipulated within that standard. And that's no different to ISO 9001. Um, in terms of from a QMS perspective. So really it's, we're starting to see now some, uh, some interest um, in terms of what does actually certification mean for, from a smart city perspective. So we're starting to see stakeholders, um, more recently City of Sydney uh, here in this part of the world, and we're starting to see other parts of the, the world with clients that we're, that we're working with, really is to, to provide some certification that provides some assurance to, to, to stakeholders that they are, have that capability, um, really about certifying your, your smart city maturity against a recognised uh, standard. Um, also around benchmarking against, you have that ability to benchmark your, your smart city maturity against other cities. So if you're a, a global city, wanting to demonstrate your capability, you're able to easily match against other cities um, as it stands. And I think that could help in terms of uh, attracting resources, um, investment um, across your your portfolio. So really demonstrating that capability and having that certification, I think it's going to become a really important uh, components of people's and organisations, smart cities, uh, strategies, so journeys. So, Gavin, we we see then uh, 
the use or, or application of a standard um, for potentially a whole range of different purposes. Some may embrace a standard because they want to get independently certified um, for the purposes of many that you've just mentioned. They may just want to pick up a standard and use it as a guidance document without any uh, interest or intention for certification. Um, or indeed they, you know, they sort of might go down, you know, a bit of a hybrid path where, well, you know, we know that certification is, is kind of a valuable thing. We're not necessarily ready for it yet. We don't think there's a driver for it yet, but what we'll do is we will create our strategy or framework or start charting our course for smart cities, uh, in, in alignment with the standards so that if we choose to get certified later on, we've probably future-proofed our strategy. I, uh, is, is it fair to say that sort of we're likely to see cities and other government organisations sort of, you know, having different different views about whether they do or don't sort of seek or pursue certification? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting uh, question you, you, you put there, Adam. I think in terms of there's, there's two sides of the, uh, there's a, a supplier and then there's a client in terms of, so why would a client want to be certified and why would a supplier want to be certified? So if a, a government wanted to build capacity and capability in the market, if they are themselves certified uh, as an organization to demonstrating capability and capacity against the, the standard um, that will create a pull within the marketplace that obviously it will become desirable that a supplier will want to demonstrate its capability and capacity in adhering to utilizing those standards that obviously would help um, win services and goods and services from from that so I think it's there's, there's two different angles from this is in terms of good practice you can demonstrate you're you're demonstrating good practice against uh, the, the standards whether you're a supplier and then also certification of value around again in terms of uh, providing assurance to relevant stakeholders attracting in, in investment which are, are, is going to be a key thing for cities moving forward so if you can demonstrate that you can reduce risk uh, reduce waste improve productivity by utilizing the standards that's going to be a, a more desirable uh, effect to potential investments if you can show that due diligence that you're you're taking so i think having that push-pull effect is, is going to be really important moving forward and if we're going to start to see more cities and governments um, looking to become certified that will naturally raise capacity and capability in the, in the marketplace um, really really easily just on the marketplace and on our market here in the region Gavin so let's talk about Australia and New Zealand for a moment um, I know this is probably going to be a difficult question for you to answer, but I mean, you know, what, what's your, I mean, from a qualitative perspective, um, where, where do you think we are at in Australia and New Zealand with respect to knowing about embracing and kind of really um, fully realising the benefits and value that come from, you know, applying, embracing and, and aligning with 
some of the smart city standards that we've we've been discussing today. I mean, wh- wh- where wh- what's your assessment? What's your sort of your score, your grade? Um, how how would, you, how would how would you sort of answer that question? Yeah, I think it, it, I, I think it's fair to say that we're sort of emerging, um, evolving in terms of our understanding of that from a from a government level, but through some of our work over the last couple of years, we've been working with various state governments um, across the whole cities and built environment perspective. So what we're really starting to see now is government as a client starting to really see the value of standards. So whether that's from a smart cities perspective, building information, modelling, IoT, etc., we're starting to see that they're really an increased understanding and appetite of standards. And I think this is probably one of the reasons why standards haven't been um, front and centre as as opposed to other regions is there is because government as as a client hasn't necessarily been looking to use the the standard, but that's now rapidly changing, which is fantastic news for the the marketplace. So I think this is what the role of government as a a client is, is to build capacity and capability within the marketplace and utilising standards will, will no doubt, as demonstrated in other regions across the world, will help raise that capacity and capability, Adam. in in going forward, Gavin, in in the smart cities sort of world, um, are there any uh, are there any gaps uh, around from a standards perspective? Any gaps that you think um, are important that we need to to fill? You know, we've spoken of of sort of some of the specifications from the UK. We've spoken about thirty seven one hundred six. Um, you, you rightly mentioned earlier that critical issue around you know having a security minded approach, and we know that. Privacy and, and cybersecurity and those related issues are, are going to continually be a challenge for us in terms of building trust with the community and making sure that devices sort of talk to each other and uh, are not vulnerable. Are there any uh, are there any real standout areas that we're, we're yet to really sort of standardise or sort of uh, embark on a standardisation process for that would be relevant for smart cities? Do you think? <laughs> Um, but I think in terms of some of the standards, we haven't probably talked about as much. Some of the ones are in development at the moment. So there's a there's a raft of um, smart city standards that have been currently under development within the various uh, ISO technical committees. Uh, one of them is the maturity model uh, for smart and sustainable communities to, to really get a, a consistent benchmarking approach in terms of where cities uh, are, are actually at. Um, so I think in terms of also interoperability, obviously with PAS 212 with, with the HyperCat initiative in terms of, um, I think we're going to start to need about what that interoperability component is and how secure that is as well. So I think I think data security and is going to drive a lot of the agendas moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to see the PAS 185 narrative and, and the way that goes, Adam. I think that's probably fair to say at the moment. Yeah, okay. So what I'm hearing there is that um, year on year, we're only 
sort of increasing and enhancing our library of standards, which I suppose in, in some ways is, is a good thing. Um, just back to some of those pointy issues, and I don't want to go too deep into them, but security and, and privacy, um, uh, starting a journey or thinking or starting a conversation with your community around those type of issues um, in alignment with a standard, um, that's got to be a good thing, right? I mean, um, your ability to sort of, as an organisation, I'm just thinking if I was, you know, a, a government official or, um, uh, you know, a senior bureaucrat, uh, being able to sort of, um, you know, transparently and confidently, you know, uh, reference an international standard and the alignment of the work you've undertaken. That, that's got to be a good thing. And I suppose another a benefit of standards, one would think, would that be the case? Yeah, I think in terms of having a security-minded approach, for example, if we're talking, focusing on, on, on securities in terms of, whether that's focusing on governance, personnel, citizens, organisations, processes and, and, and physical security. I think that's really, that's really important to, to cover those aspects, um, whether it's, again, scale, organisational complexity, service delivery, response to incidents and events, extent of autonomy, uh, etc. So I think that's really, that, that's really important um, moving forward if there's a... Uh, the security services in the UK were, were were a key component of developing that PAS 185. So the UK government are obviously very clear and front and centre that bringing together centralised data sources together obviously proves a, a risk. So they want they wanted to be um, front and centre in terms of with that that standard. So having that. Um, level of capability uh, in, 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 in authoring the standard will hopefully provide other governments uh, or governments in terms of some due understanding in terms of how how serious governments are taking this now from, from a security perspective. Uh, you've, you've mentioned sort of capability and capacity building a lot, Gavin. Um, uh, from a supply side perspective, you know, you're, you're a consultant on the supply side. Um, how just just sort of elaborate a little bit more about how standards help a supplier how they help you as advisors and consultants you know do they help you really lift your game does it help build competition um i mean the the, the idea here is that that, that standards are a, a good thing on, on both sides of the fence can you share a little bit of share some insights around how as a supplier standards help you lift your game well, I think anything that re reduces risk, improves productivity, and reduces waste across the delivery of your services, um, obviously will improve your bottom line in delivering your projects. I think also in terms of having that capability and capacity within your organisation will, uh, will not hurt you winning further work. Um, and also attracting the right resources. Um, we know that attracting resources is a is a tough thing at the moment. There's a lot of good companies, and there isn't uh, necessarily they're fighting over the same resources. So if you could able to demonstrate that your your work is being utilising global leading standards 
and that will help you win further work. I think that will, from a resources perspective, will, will definitely uh, help you build the future ready team that you need. Um, that's, um, that's quite insightful, uh, particularly for our non-government um, listeners of, of the Chronicles. Um, Gavin um, was sort of at the tail end of the, the conversation, but I wanted to ask the question, uh, you know, we've, we've sort of covered a lot in a short period of time um, in our discussion. We've used a lot of buzzwords and sort of technical terms and references to, to sort of standards. Um, for, a, for the average, you know, local government organisation in Australia, Australia uh, and or New Zealand that's listening in um, and they kind of want to go and get a little bit more information, how does one... As one, you know, is there a sort of one eight hundred smart city standards hotline that someone can call? How do you how do you sort of start getting your head around this? What advice would you give a city that says, "Yep, I want to create a smart, uh, I want to create a smart city standard. I want it to be aligned with international, you know, best practice and standards. You know, I want to go for it, Gavin. Where do I go? What do I do?" Well, I think first of all, it's about in terms of understanding what the problem you're trying to solve. So clearly understanding about what the challenges that you have and then in terms of understanding how a standard can, can help you. Obviously, there's various consultants that uh, a government could, um, could, uh, could, could go and speak to in terms of to helping with that. I think I would really recommend that companies would uh, reach out to experts in, in, in their field and, and not try and... Um, piece together uh, what, they, what they can through their internal, but getting good advice is critical right at the start. And I would recommend looking at either PAS 181 or the, the new ISO 37106 uh, as, a, as a good starting point um, in their journey. So getting good advice, I think, is, is, is critical um, and, and, and understanding how data and standards can help deliver solutions to the challenges that they face. Well, that's good advice, Gavin. Thank you for that. Um, my final question for you today is, is just going to be one around sort of the year coming, you know, um, it's been a, a, a sort of a, a crazy busy sort of 24 months in the smart city space uh, in Australia and, and the more broader region here. Um, what are you most excited about in 2019? Yeah, look, I think just a continuation from a really exciting 2018. Uh, we've worked with three different um, state governments. Um, so we're, we're starting to see now state governments in really understanding about what digital and data means from a strategic level and implementing into the built environment in, in, in their cities. I'm really excited about the local government movement as, as, as well. We're starting obviously with, with City and Sydney and, and, and many other cities now developing and implementing their, their smart city strategies, especially with Western Park and City, um, in, in, which is going to be a, a really exciting uh, project. But also as well, some of the major projects, we've got a huge amount of infrastructure spend happening at the moment and Projects like Western Sydney Airport, Melbourne Airport Rail Link, Cross River Rail are all talking about smart and digital to help deliver these projects. They, all these projects realise in terms of they can't do the same things they've always done from an analogue perspective. 
And if they're going to deliver these projects on budget, on time, they realise that adopting a smart and digital approach will help them deliver those uh, those projects in, in, in our respective time and budget. Um, thanks for, for sharing those uh, final thoughts, Gavin. Um, that's been great. Um, we, we need to draw a close there on the conversation. We, we could keep going, but uh, there will be further uh, episodes in the chronicles around standardization and certification uh, as, a, as a sort of a key supporting enabler to an organization um, embracing the smart cities agenda. Um, Gavin, thanks so much for taking your time out and sharing those thoughts with us today. No, thank you, Adam, and thank you for the opportunity. Really enjoyed the conversation. No, that's a, that's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, and for our listeners, a uh, reminder that you can uh, subscribe to the Smart Cities Chronicles um, via our key uh, platforms of uh, Apple iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify, a number of ways in which you can um, get your get your fix of everything Smart Cities uh, action and investment. Um that's been a great uh, conversation today, our, our sort of first conversation around smart city standards with uh, Gavin Cotterell from PCSG. We look forward to uh, bringing you more information, uh, bringing you some use cases uh, and other related information around standardisation and certification in the near future. But for now, uh, thanks so much for listening in. My name is Adam Beck, host of the Smart Cities Chronicles, and we look forward to uh, getting a new episode in your inbox very soon. Thanks very much.